welcome to another special episode of Bible Study, Parody and Subversion in Matthew's Gospel. So this is a special episode. That's all I'm doing now is special episodes because we've already finished the Gospel of Matthew. We did that in 67 episodes. If this is the first thing you're listening, if you just found this podcast and this is the first episode you're listening to, I encourage you to go back to to episode one. Uh, In a lot of podcast platforms, that means you'll have to scroll all the way to the beginning, Um, which is better than my phone. For some reason, in my phone, it throws them all over the place. They're not in any order. But um, (laughs) but unless you're using my phone, apparently, I haven't seen anyone else's uh, phone like that. But uh, if you're using a regular sane phone or computer or something, you'll probably have to scroll back to the beginning to get to episode one. Uh, but that's where we start if you want to go through the Gospel of Matthew. So now I'm just doing special episodes. Um, and what I'm doing today is that um, I'm filling in a gap here because I missed something when we were going through the Gospel of Matthew. I don't know if you noticed. I mean, I don't know if you were paying attention, but um, apparently I wasn't paying attention. I missed Verse 17 of chapter 1. How did that happen? I missed verse 17. Actually, I I realized it fairly early on. I'm not sure how early. It was definitely after I'd done the second episode and I'd already missed it. Uh, So so the first episode was verses 1 through 16 of the first chapter of Matthew. And then the next episode, I started with verse 18. I just skipped over verse 17. And I'm not sure when I realized it. I remember it was early on, but I think I'd already done several episodes. And then I realized I never did 17. Because 17 is actually kind of interesting. It's really important. And it and you can do a whole episode on that one verse. Um, so I'll read it. Let's let's read this. You know, this comes right after the genealogy. That was the first episode, the genealogy. And then verse 17, um, which is a really interesting verse. And it reads like this. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. So this is kind of interesting, isn't it? Now it's it's numbers. And I know some people are intimidated by numbers, but um, you don't. You're not going to have to be good at math for this, or at least not much. I mean, there's a little bit of math involved, but it's not much. Mostly, it's symbolism, and it's it's kind of kind of fun. Um, um, so, uh, three sets of fourteen generations. Uh, what does this mean? Why is this important? Um, there is a Bible scholar that's done a podcast on this, um, Doctor Timothy Lewis. And he has done a, 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 a podcast called Matthew Linity. Matthew Linity. And that is um, a play on the words Matthew and masculinity. Because his theory, as I understand it, what he is uh, suggesting is that the Gospel of Matthew reframes masculinity. Which I think is, I think that's kind of part of what Matthew is doing. I think he's right. Um, you know, I, if you listen to my podcast, you'll see how that, um, you know, there are these sort of feminist trajectories. One way to understand it 
because it's still about mostly about men. Jesus is a man. The 12 disciples are men. Now at the end, it's like the women who don't run away, who stay and who are fearless. Uh, but the, you know, Messiah is still portrayed as a man. And, um, and so one way to understand this, it comes out of a highly patriarchal society. I would argue more patriarchal than our modern society today. Um, somebody could argue with me on that, but I, that's what I think. Um, and it, what it's, it's, you know, I, I think that the gospel of Matthew has these feminist trajectories. I've talked about them, you know, um, the women that don't run away, the fact that Jesus is, is uh, anointed at the hands of a woman, which is in all four gospels. Uh, and there are other, and then in, in the in the genealogy that comes right before verse seventeen that we read, go back to uh, episode one on this, and you'll find that what's important in the genealogy is the five women. They are the key to understanding the genealogy. So um, you can look at them as feminist trajectories, you know, subtle uplifting of women, um, you know, or, or sort of um, the message. There's a subtle message that women show the way that they are the model disciples right the model students uh, of Jesus the Messiah um but it's still within a highly male story you know from from a patriarchal time and place and so another way to understand it is it's redefining masculinity so I think uh dr Lewis is is I think he's right about that if if you know he, he's listened to my podcast, so he may hear this. If I got it wrong, let me know. I will retract, but um, I, will, I will try to correct it. But uh, but that's that's what he says. So and so, I'd encourage you if you really want to dig into if you really want to dig into uh, a lot of this, especially in the genealogy and in, in the beginning of Matthew one, go to his podcast um, and. So, so for the, for this for verse seventeen, he <laughs> he has fourteen possibilities for what the number fourteen symbolizes. Um, very clever. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of those, but I am drawing some from him, some from Warren Carter, some from um, Charles Talbot, and so here 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 it is. So one thing that um, so th there's three sets of 14. The, the well, one thing you have to realize, um, is that there actually aren't three sets of 14. Uh, and it's not that verse 17 is lying to us, but it's that this is a symbolic text. Um, now, now most of us probably weren't counting, but if you go through the genealogy, there's actually two sets of 14 and then one set of 13 names in the genealogy. There's not three sets of 14. Uh, but, you know, if, if you go back to episode one, you, I made this point before that this is a symbolic text. And like Rahab, Rahab, uh, the second woman in the genealogy, who's very important, um, but there is no indication outside of Matthew 1, that she is part of this lineage. And in fact, the author of Matthew sticks Rahab in the wrong century. <laughs> She's not even in the right century. So 
because she's in there for symbolic reasons. This is a symbolic text. It's not supposed to be, you know, exactly accurate. Uh, and there's a way you can make it into three sets of 14. I mean, not really, but because the, the last one in each previous set gets a set again in the new set of 14. If you go through the genealogy, um, that's what happens. So, um, the, the first set of 14 generations ends with David, and then David gets repeated again when we start the second set of, um, 14. Or the same with Jeconiah. Jeconiah is the last one in the, the second set of 14, but when we start with the third set of 14, Jeconiah gets said again. So, um, and, and the, and the second and third set get, are sort of, that's the most obvious separation because they're separation, they're separated by the mention of the, the exile, the deportation to Babylon. And so Jeconiah's name gets set on both sides of that statement. And then, so if you count him, Again, then you get 14 names in the third set. So you have 14, 14, and 14. But who cares? Because this is just symbolic. Just take it. 17, verse 17 says there's three sets of 14 in the generation. There's something to that. So what is it? Well, um, one very popular uh, interpretation or reason that is given is that the the name for David in Hebrew, in Hebrew, when they attach um, numerical values to the letters, if you add up, which this was a common thing to have a num, you know, to add up the letters in any in a name or a word, and and then give that word a value. This was very common in the ancient world, and in Hebrew, if you add up the numerical values of the name David, you get fourteen. So, and David is, you know, he's sort of the central father of, of the uh, genealogy. Although, that's, there's something very interesting there if you go back and listen to episode one. Um, but he's the central father of gene the genealogy. He's also mentioned in the first verse before the genealogy begins. And then Jesus is often called the son of David. Now, of course, you know, uh, this is, well, listen to the whole podcast this is an episode one in the whole podcast because the jesus relationship to david is is very interesting but that's what some people think it's it's about david i think it's a possibility and by the by the way not you know it, there could be multiple reasons for 14 being named here in chapter 17 uh, these are not all mutually exclusive so that's one but another thing uh what one thing Dr. Lewis says, the way he says it, is that 14 was sort of considered a round number. That seems strange to us, but, you know, for us, 10 is a round number, right? 20 is a round number. Even 15 is more round than 14. But in the ancient world, lots of things were numbered in 14. And so it was kind of a round number. And so you get, um, and you get sometimes generations that are talked about in sets of 14. So the Hebrew scriptures speak of generations in sets of 14 uh, sometimes, and um, the Mishnah, which is uh, rabbinic literature from the second century, 
uh, AD B, uh, or CE. Um, the Mishnah speaks of generations of rabbis uh, in sets of 14, uh, and Jesus is portrayed as a rabbi. Um, and even uh, Dr. Lewis points out that even in the Greco-Roman world, in the philosophical traditions of the Greco-Roman world, uh, philosophical teachers, teachers in these philosophical traditions, were spoken of, uh, their, their generations, the generations of these teachers were spoken of in, in sets of 14. So it didn't have to be people that were blood related. This could be, this could be generations of rabbis or generations of teachers. And rabbi was basically a teacher, right? Um, so both in the Greco-Roman world and in, uh, Israel, 14, uh, was a number like that that was used for generations of, um, Familial generations and generations of teachers. Let me read you what Charles Talbert um, says in his um, commentary on Matthew about verse 17. He says, The number 14 was conventional in genealogies. In First Chronicles 1-2 are 14 generations from Abraham to David. In Second Baruch 53-74, World history is divided into 14 periods from Adam to the Messiah. And in the Mishnah tractate uh, Avot 1, 1 to 12 are 14 links in the chain of tradition between Moses and the last pairs of teachers. So this would have been actually pretty common. It doesn't mean it doesn't symbolize anything. I still think it symbolizes something. It has, but, but, 14 um, was, people would have expected that. So um, now what I, what I have always thought, even before I listened to Dr. Lewis and read uh, Charles Talbert and others and, and Warren Carter, is that it had to do with Sabbath. Because I, when I read through it, I immediately uh, recognized that Three sets of 14 is six sets of seven, right? And what does that mean? Six sets of seven is one short of seven sets of seven. And seven sets of seven is the super Sabbath, right? The Jubilee, the 49th year, the Jubilee, the super Sabbath, uh, Leviticus 25. If you know anything about Sabbath, legislation. There's the Sabbath day, there's the Sabbath year, and then there's the super Sabbath year, the seven times seven years. So symbolically, this would mean that there are six sevens, six Sabbaths before Jesus comes along and the generation of Jesus or Jesus story, the gospel is the seventh Sabbath. It is the Jubilee, the super Sabbath. Uh, and that is the time when society is reordered. Uh, that's the time of liberation. Debt slaves are set free. All debts are canceled. It's a time of liberation and reordering of society, which is a lot of what the gospel is about. Um, Jesus talks about debt cancellation. Uh, in Luke, Jesus even refers to his ministry as the Jubilee year. So that's what makes most sense to me, is that Jesus' story, the gospel, the story of Jesus is the Jubilee liberation.
the reordering of society, uh, the beginning of reordering of society. The church begins to speak prophetically this word of reordering the society and proclaiming the Jubilee year, the seventh seven of the super Sabbath. So that's what makes most sense to me. Now, something else that Dr. Lewis mentions, um, now he, of course, he gives 14 possibilities. I'm not getting into all of those. And there's, you know, one in Daniel 9 that a lot of people talk about, which is 77s of years. Uh, But I'm not going to get into that. But another possibility that Lewis mentions, which is intriguing to me, is that Rome thought of the world that it was conquering for its empires. That it was they referred to the the rest of the world or this world that they were conquering or that they had conquered as the fourteen nations, the fourteen nations. And there's a sort of parallel in Acts when the the, the story is telling us the author's telling us about the first Pentecost, right? Um, And that the people are speaking all these different languages, but they are speaking the language of Judea plus 14 other languages. So there seems to be in the New Testament, like there's there's a lot of parallels, but they're not really parallels. They're sort of uh, counter examples of... um, of Rome's imperialism, but in the Gospels, in the New Testament, it's done without weapons. And it's it's not, they aren't conquering by the sword, they are conquering through the prophetic word spoken up by through their mouths, the sword that proceeds from the mouth. That's the rhetoric of the New Testament. And the message that they are proclaiming um, is this upside-down society. So Rome is conquering through violence, through the sword that's held in the hand, and it is imposing this top-down patriarchal order on the world, whereas the Jesus movement is proclaiming a message uh, through the prophetic word, the sword that proceeds from the mouth, and it's an upside-down ordering of society where the first are last and the last are first. And, you know, as Dr. Lewis uh, is suggesting... And I think he's right. There, masculinity is redefined. Um, women are held up as the, um, although it's subtle in the in the texts, women are held up as the model disciples, and men need to be like women. Um, so it's it, it's the the first or last, the last or first. The outsiders are brought to the center. Uh, inside is outside. You know, it's it's a complete reordering of society. It's the great jubilee, the great liberation. This is the message of the church. This is the prophetic word, the sword that proceeds from the mouth. This is how the church conquers. Um, and so you get that at the end of Matthew. At the end of Matthew, you get the great commission. And if you listen to my last episode, 67, the last uh, uh, episode about Matthew there's a parallel between the Great Commission and Rome's statements of how it conquers the world. Um, and so the Great Commission sort of subverts that, um, sends people out with a teaching, not a sword. A teaching, a subversive teaching of reordering society, turning it upside down. That is the message, uh, the way they conquer. So that's intriguing. 
14 is how Rome understood the rest of the world that we're conquering. And we see that parallel in Acts at Pentecost. And maybe that's what part of what Matthew was thinking. I don't know. That's an intriguing parallel. But what I really what I really settle on is that one, 14 was considered a round number. I, I like that that part of what uh, Lewis was presenting. 14 is considered a round number, was used in um, generations and counting generations in the Hebrew Bible. And then also was used in both rabbinic and Greco-Roman literature to talk about generations of teachers because Jesus was a teacher. So I think all that plays into it. And then mostly that Jesus is the seventh seven, that his story, the story of the gospel is the Jubilee, it's the super Sabbath, the seventh seven, the time of liberation. That is, I think, what makes most sense uh, to me. So thank you for listening. And again, if you if this is the first thing you've listened to, then please go back and listen to episode one going forward. In all of those, all the regular episodes, I scripted it. So, I, you know, some of these special episodes, I just do free form like this. I just talk and hope, and then I go back and edit and hopefully it makes sense. But the rest of them were scripted. So they're, uh, hopefully it's better, but hopefully you enjoyed this too. So thank you for listening and grace and peace to you and your household.